0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. The great theologian Bob Dylan said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Amen. Thank you, Thank you, Bob for the depth of your understanding so who are you serving today who are you bowing down to or submitting to and as Christ followers there's this kind of quick and knee-jerk reaction right well I'm following Jesus and that is is good And, and we we celebrate that but what I have found in my own life is that I have to be careful not to just assume this answer I need to keep asking myself, Mark, who are you serving right now? And when I was younger, late high school, just out of high school, I was in this incredible rock and roll band, right? And it was called Social Blunder. And uh, you probably saw us at our one gig on Monday night at Club Soda. And uh, we were opening for somebody. We weren't the headliners on the Monday night, but uh, we were we're really coming along. And so I, I just wanted to be a, a rock star, right? And I kind of gave all that I had to, to this dream. And ultimately being a, a rock star or desiring that isn't, isn't bad, but the problem was that I had made this desire or this dream the ultimate determiner of how I acted and the things that I did. All right? And there were some benefits, I practiced my guitar, right? I, I wrote some really catchy songs, not really. I, wrote, I learned to, to work with a, with a band, and that was, was fun, and those were good. But there was this kind of dark side where I uh, walked away from, abandoned, and, and, and twisted these values that I had grown up with. I grew up in the church, but as I was pursuing this dream, I threw all those things to, to the wayside, and I said, no, I am pursuing this thing. That is more important to me than this other, this faith, right? And so as I did that, as I pursued that, I, I walk away from these values, and I become promiscuous, and, and vulgar, and, and selfish. All these kind of dark attributes that seem to fit in this uh, dream of, of being a rock star. And at, at the time, I never would have said that I'm, I'm serving this dream. I'm just pursuing this thing, right? And it's good to pursue our dreams, But it wasn't until Jesus really got a hold of me that I realized what I was doing. After getting saved, I started noticing the things that I was singing about in the lyrics of our songs. I saw the ideologies that were woven through these songs in the the life that we were living. I saw how my, my life was being conformed into this ugly thing. And I knew that I didn't want to do it anymore. So I gave up that dream of being a rock star and submitted my life completely to Jesus. In that moment, I I said, rock star, dream of being a rock star, you're done. You're off the throne of, of my life. And Jesus, would you come and take your rightful place on the throne of my heart and the throne of my life? And that was a really significant and important moment in my life when I surrendered this dream, surrendering completely to Jesus. But if in that moment I had assumed that I had now solved the the problem of the kingship of my life, I would have been sorely mistaken. Because the reality is that even as a Christ follower, things can come in and sneakily take over the throne of our life. And this is one of the things that is sometimes difficult for us to see in the mirror, right? We have to look at ourselves seriously and critically evaluate our motives and evaluate our heart. Because even, right, as Christ followers, something's going to climb up onto the throne and is going to rule you as your king. And so the question for this morning, for each one of us, is what is it that tries to take the throne of your life? What are you serving? How does it conform you into its image? It can be a lot of things. right? Is it politics? Or entertainment? Or comfort? I don't know how many times I've bowed down to the altar of comfort when I should have been running after Jesus. Is it money? I want to have this much in my checking account, or I want to live in this house, or I want to drive this car, or live in this neighborhood, All right? Is that what you're serving? Is it, is it education? Right, I, I know it was, it was kind of a rude awakening for me when I realized that this uh, seminary education that I'm going after, had, which is to, in the purpose being to serve Jesus, had somehow usurped the throne. And it was now this education that I was serving. And and Jesus was just a a little bit off to the side. I had to surrender that. Or maybe, you know, for you on the throne of your life is the approval of others. That certainly isn't a problem for me. Um, (laughs) But some people I've heard of now you know, is it, is it family or nationalism, right? Is it religion or even church activities? Because the reality is that even something that is good or something that is great in, in the wrong place in your life is dangerous and unhealthy. We need to make sure that King Jesus is seated on the throne. And so this morning we're going to look at Psalm 145 and this is a a great psalm that speaks of God as the king and not just of our own lives but of the king of all creation. It speaks of the glory of his kingdom, his goodness and his faithfulness, how his eye is on the the downtrodden. It, it, It speaks of his intimacy and love and his provision. And what I want to help us to see is that this is a psalm that we can use to help us I believe that maybe it helped David to to keep God on the throne of our lives. And it's also a psalm that we can use to remind us to worship and exalt God through every season of life. So David, King David, was the author of this psalm. And he was a man who would have been well acquainted with the highs and In lows of life. If we look at the the story of David and we we have a lot of it recorded in the Old Testament we see a lot of high points and maybe as we read this psalm we go man it certainly would have been easy for for David to sing this and to keep God as the king right here's this little little shepherd guy and he gets exalted to become the king of, of the nation of Israel and he conquers Jerusalem he's a war hero people sing songs about him everybody loves David Right? He makes this crazy uh, covenant with, with God where God promises that his throne is going to last forever. And David is called a man after God's own heart. Oh, certainly David wouldn't have had any difficulty keeping God on the, on the throne because God was always nice to David. But if we, if we dive in, and you don't have to dive in too far, we see that David's life not only had some incredible high points, but was filled with, with tragedy as well. Right? He was forced to flee from Saul and, and live as an outlaw in the wilderness for years. Right? We see David committing a, adultery with Bathsheba. We see him trying to kind of cover it up and deal with it by murdering Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Later on in, in, in his life, uh, his son Amnon commits the sin of rape and incest. I mean, tell, talk about a bad day. The, the, somebody comes in, King, we have something to tell you. It's about your son. Oh my gosh. How heartbreaking would that be? And then this son is murdered by another one of his sons, Absalom. And then later on, Absalom is murdered. So as we look at the life of David, we can see that there's these incredible highs and these incredible, incredible lows. He had the, the full range of good and bad days. And we don't know what day it was that he would have written this psalm. Right? Was it the day that he was anointed king? God, you are so good. You were on the throne. You are awesome. Or was it the the day that his son was murdered? God, I don't understand. This is confusing. But you are on the throne. I worship you. You are faithful. Or was it in just one of those mundane days where he's just out doing his laundry? God, you're good. Even though I'm doing my own laundry. I think in first service we decla- we decided that David did not do his own laundry. He probably had a person for that, and so he would have rejoiced. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me somebody to do my laundry. I'm very grateful that he's given me somebody to do my laundry. So, <laughs> anywho, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna jump in here to to the the meat of the of the psalm here. I don't know. Can you forward that to the next slide, my friend? We're just going to go. We're just going to go for it. So if you want to turn to Psalm 145, you're more than welcome There it is. So, verse 1. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And so here at the, the opening of this psalm, David declares that he is not going to let a single day go by that he doesn't worship the Lord. Right? On the good days and the bad days and the mundane days, he's going to cry out, I exalt you, God, my King. Every day I will praise you. Right? And, and the reality is that in, I've seen in my own life that this actually works. As a young Christian, I saw this as hyperbole, like, praise your name forever and ever, I will, uh, what's it say there, every day I will praise you. I'm like, well, every day is a lot, you know, I've got got a lot going on. As you know, Lord, I'm in this sweet rock and roll band, and you have destined me to be a rock star, so I better focus quite a bit on that, but when I decided to really take my faith seriously and say, God, you know, I'm, I'm done with just kind of playing with this. God, I'm going to run after you. And I decided, I made that choice, right? I'm going to seek you every day. And for me, that meant that I had to get up at like five in the morning because once I started my day, once I got to work, life got busy. And it was done. So I had to, to start out my day. And so I began taking seriously this call of David to praise and extol and to lift up Jesus' name every day. And what I found was that it worked Right? It didn't mean that God loved me more. It didn't mean that I was a better Christian. But as I spent more and more time with God, it opened this conduit of, of his grace and his love and his mercy and his empowerment into my life and helped me to step into living out these kingdom attributes, the fruit of the Spirit. I was able to enter more fully into the abundant, full life that God has for us. Amen. So it works. Go for it. You can do it. So every day, seeking God, and, and you don't have to kick yourself, right, if you have forgotten this, or you're like, oh, I haven't, I've, I messed up, right, I haven't sought God in two months, right, hey, don't worry about it. Well, you should worry about it a little bit, but just come back to God and say, God, I repent, you know, I've been seeking after my own thing, and, and I, you know, I just, would you come? And God is gracious and merciful, And full of love, and he is excited to to bring you back onto his lap and take his rightful place in the throne of your life. So in the next section, the next four verses here, David continues, he says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And so here we see in these next few verses that that David seems to be moving from this idea of like, I'm going to spend some personal time, you know, in my prayer closet worshiping Jesus, right? And that is good, but then David comes over here and says that our praise isn't just for the prayer closet. It's not just in the secret place. It's not just in the in the midst of of a worship service, but we should look for every opportunity to talk about the glory of our King, right? One generation commends or praises your works to another, he says, right? I think he's saying that we should be looking for opportunities to exalt the name of Jesus because of his goodness, his unfailing love right, as we read the the history of the Israelites, as we read the the writings uh, in the Old Testament, right, we see that they would tell and retell and sing about the the powerful, significant things that they had seen God do in their lives, in their midst, right? They would sing these stories about how God had delivered their ancestors up out of Egypt, out of slavery, parted the Red Sea, led them through the desert, and uh, with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. I was just thinking of a a joke that I made every other time I preached this sermon. Sorry. Here. here. Never mind. Forget that. As I listened to the first service, all right. Okay, here it is. I was <laughs> Mar- looking at Marilyn, and I'm like, man, she's heard this already. So it's so good. It's so, well. Now it's not good. Now it's like I really built it up. <laughs> perfect, perfect he No. He's a, God led the people through the desert on a horse with no name. So no, it's nice um, this is a 70s song. So should have just pushed past that. Okay. Where am I? <laughs> So the Israelites tell and retell these stories of the goodness of God, right? And we can do that too because that's our God, right? Our God is is a deliverer. Our God uh, took his people through the the, the Red Sea and led them through the desert. (laughs) And uh, uh, and, and we can tell these stories because that's our story too, right? But we can also tell the, the story of Jesus, how God made flesh, came down to set us free from sin and death. All right, we can talk uh, about Jesus who took the penalty of sin because of his unfailing love. All right, we can talk uh, about how we have peace in the midst of political turmoil because really, right, our hope is not in a president. Our hope is not in a political party. It's not in an army or anything else. It's in Jesus in his eternal kingdom. Right? We can talk about how we can have peace in the face of job loss or, or tragedy because our faith is not in this life alone. Ultimately, our hope is in, in Jesus who's coming back. He's going to restore his kingdom in all of its fullness. And he is going to set everything right again. We can talk about how God has chosen us to be his sons and daughters, invited us back into his family, how he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. We can tell stories about like, oh, let me tell you about how Jesus saved my marriage. Let me tell you about how Jesus healed my friend. Let me tell you what what Jesus has done in my life. And I like the ESV translation of verse 7. It says, They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. They shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And it's this picture of like a bubbling fountain that cannot contain the the water and it just comes pouring out. In the same way we should be a fountain that is so full and, and consumed and focused on the goodness and the glory of God that it just comes bubbling out of our life, looking for opportunities to tell people about our glorious King. And so in these first couple sections, David saying that that praise should be the foundation of our whole life. Every day, seeking God and praising Him in our daily life. And in our our daily life, we should also be looking for opportunities to declare the glorious splendor of our God. And so the next section is the longest section. It is 13 verses. And uh, this answers the, the question that, I think, has been brought up in in the first half. Like, we should put, uh, God, Yahweh is the king. We should exalt him. We should praise him. And so maybe somebody's like, well, why? Is he good? What do we know about this king? Can we trust him? Is he going to be a good king? And so these verses really answer that. You know, who is the king? What's he like? What's his kingdom like? Because in the ancient Near East, kings were often looked at as superhuman. They exercised absolute authority over a nation, right? The king was the the highest judge in the land. They were responsible for justice. His court, the highest court. And ideally, right, the the king would be the defender of, of widows and orphans, right? He was responsible for guarding and protecting the kingdom. And if the king was good, things went well for the people. But if the king was bad, things would not go so well. And so that is why David reveals in this psalm who our king is. Because history, right, it's full of of treacherous and murderous and selfish and mean and incompetent kings. And the consequences of, of the reign of these bad kings would be felt on the shoulders of the people. And we can look at an example, a biblical example. King Rehoboam was uh, an, an taking the, the throne after his, his father, Solomon. And the nation of Israel was excited. All right, hey, here's this new king. Let's go, at, let's go talk to him. And, and they, they come to him and he, they say, Hey, you know what? Your father laid a heavy burden on us. How are are you going to rule? So they ask him basically, right, will you lighten this heavy burden that your father has put on the nation of Israel? And so he's like, well, give me a few days, let me think about this. And he asks the, the elders, and they say, yeah, lighten the burden, right? Serve your people and they will serve you. He's like, all right, thank you for that. But ultimately, uh, Rehoboam rejects their advice and takes the advice of his, his friends, the, these young people that he had grown up with. And these guys told him this. They said, "'These people have said to you, "'Your father put a heavy yoke on us, "'but make our yoke lighter. "'Now tell them my little finger is thicker "'than my father's wrist, or my father's waist. "'My father laid on you a heavy yoke. "'I will make it even heavier.'" My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. And so he, he steps into this, his reign as king, laying this heavy burden on the people. And You see, a bad king on the throne is disastrous for people. We see that through all, throughout history. And in the same way, a bad king or the wrong king on the throne of your life will be disastrous for you. But what David goes on to say here is good news. Our king is the best king. His kingdom is everlasting. His love is unfailing. His heart is actually for the downtrodden, the poor in spirit, for those who mourn. Our king is the epitome of kings. And so, The Upward Journey, we are in the midst of this series called The Upward Journey, right, it's all about getting to know God, which this psalm does so well. And our theme theme verse for this series is 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so, this psalm actually helps us to contemplate the Lord's glory. It helps us to contemplate who God is. And as we do that, we are transformed more and more into His image. The more we take on these characteristics of our King. And a couple weeks ago, when Jimmy was teaching on Psalm 119, he shared this quote by G.K. Beale. G.K. Beale says, that what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or restoration. What people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or restoration. And that truth, which we see here as well in Second Corinthians, is why it's so important that we keep the Triune God on the throne of our life, because what is on the throne of our lives we worship. And what we worship, we become like. And we want to become like God. We want to take on his image more and more, right? Because this is how we step into the peace and the joy and the fullness of life that he has for us. And so we're just going to basically read through these next 13 verses with minimal commentary. And this psalm it's a it's a song it's it's poetry it's not just doctrine it's not just theology though it includes that right this is poetry that is trying to paint a picture of the beauty of the goodness of our king the lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love the lord is good to all he has compassion on all that he has made All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. He's such a good king. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. Right? This is our king. Our king, our Lord, is the sustainer of those who fall, those who are are bowed down. He lifts them up out of their grief and their trouble. He meets them in the midst of it. He's not far off and distant and aloof, kind of just looking and watching and waiting to see how we're going to pull ourselves up from this trouble that we've gotten ourselves in, right? But he is there with us because he's not selfish. He's not evil. He's not this tyrant king that's only looking out for what's best for him right his heart his eyes are on his people he is trustworthy he is faithful he lifts up all who fall he is with you right in the, in the the midst of the pain right that's who he is that's why david could say he is a good king And so, as we see that God's eye is on those who are struggling and hurting and in need, right? If this is who God is watching, who God is lifting up, then as we try to bear his image, as we try to become more like him, we should also follow his example. We want to keep our eyes on the same people. We want to keep our eyes on the poor and the refugee, the the persecuted, the orphans, the widows, those people in our in our neighborhood, in our communities, and down our streets who are struggling. Uh, 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. He is a provider. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. the the reason that we we put other things on the throne or because the the reason that other things kind of sneak up and and usurp God's position as the king of our life is because we are looking to meet some need, right? We're looking to meet some heartfelt desire, whether that is affirmation or or comfort or peace or joy. We're trying to deal with with the the pain, whatever it is. We're trying to meet some need, but this psalmist uh, accurately reveals that it's only in God's, God, this is the only place where you're going to really be able to find satisfaction for your deepest needs. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him, But the wicked he will destroy. So the Lord watches over all who love him. And as we have seen, Earlier, when, when David says all, right, he means all people. He means everybody. God is good and compassionate and gracious to all people. The people that love God and the people that hate him. The people that are singing his praises in the morning and the people who don't know anything of, about him. He loves people and he pours out his goodness on everybody. Right? He is faithful to save all who call upon his name, all who submit to the lordship of Jesus. But we can't wipe this next section out of our Bibles because we don't like it. The reality is, the the difficult truth is, that destruction awaits those who reject God. And that's not nearly as much fun. And we can't let this verse, verse 20, just be this kind of assurance like, oh, I'm so glad that I know God, right? I'm so glad that I'm in the kingdom and that I've avoided this destruction that awaits those who reject him. I, I'm just going to kind of hunker down here and, and enjoy my church time until Jesus comes back. And we should, we should enjoy and rejoice in the assurance of our salvation, but this should be a wake-up call and, and a declaration that we need to go out and reveal the goodness of, of God to our friends and our family and our neighbors to make disciples of all nations so that nobody has to face this reality. And the psalmist ends with this. He says, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Right? After declaring, this is who our God is. He is faithful. He is just. His eye is on those who are struggling, those who are bowed down. Right? This is who our God is. And our proper response to the King of Kings, the creator of all things, is praise and worship. Because he is worthy. And just like we don't know when David wrote this psalm, was that on a good day or a bad day or a regular day? Right? No matter what is happening, no matter, no matter what hand that we have been dealt in life, no matter how unfair we think that is, our proper response is worship. Our proper response is putting God on the throne. Of our entire lives so as we close i just want to ask this question again we're just going to take a moment i encourage you to ask the lord who am i serving who am i serving right now what has crawled up on the throne of my life If the Holy Spirit, if the the Lord revealed anything to you, you realize, oh, and I thought the Lord was on the throne, but actually I've been running after this thing. Hey, it's okay. Just repent. Say, whatever that is, you're done. You're off the throne. Jesus, would you come and take your rightful place on the throne of my life? And he's happy to do that and to flood you with his grace and his love. And if you're here today and you have never made this decision to believe in, in Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that this morning. He's not mad. He's not waiting for you to clean up your act. Right? He loves you. The Father revealed this love when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, the perfect lamb, to, to take the, the penalty of our sin, to take the, the judgment that we deserved. So if you're ready to submit to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're here and you're already a Christ follower, I encourage you to to pray this prayer with me as well, just as a reminder of how far God has brought you and the goodness and the grace that he has poured out on your life. Would you stand with me? And pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I choose to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.